friends, and welcome to Beauty the Interviews, a podcast production of The Beautiful Project, a storytelling collective that invites women to challenge body and beauty expectations, creating a world where we belong with substance and with strength. I'm Sarah Stevens, your host for this podcast and the founder of The Beautiful Project. Well, we're back for the second interview of the Survivor Series. Today, we sat down with Maggie. Maggie is a two-time survivor of sexual assault. She's a semi-retired pageant girl. She's the founder of a nonprofit, and she is a woman who knows what it means to lose a sense of hope and purpose and still find a way to get up in the morning and connect with the world and the people around her and most importantly, connect with herself. Maggie spends a good chunk of this interview sharing the details of her story, but she focuses more in on just telling the truth about what it's like to survive trauma, about how often the only solution is to just get up, to keep just getting up. Maggie is real and she is raw with us. And she talks about the importance of rest, which is wisdom that I just cannot overstate. That rest is important in our healing. It's wisdom that I think each one of us needs to hear. So I'm hopeful you'll stick around and drop in on my conversation with Maggie. We are here with Maggie today. And Maggie and I met literally uh, six minutes ago, maybe. (laughs) There was a situation when she came into the co-working space where I record. She was nearly mauled by a bulldog. It's fine. So we've recovered from that situation, and here we are um, over the microphone. So thank you for saying yes. Of course. Thanks for having me. You bet. excited to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear your story. And this really will represent the first time I'm really familiar with her story at all. So, um, But before we go there, I want to ask you the opening question that I ask everybody, which is what do you think it means to be a survivor? Oh, gosh. What a good question. I like that. I like that you open with that. Um, I think you can get to know a lot by about somebody by asking that question. So I'm sure that's probably why you asked it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, To be a survivor, I think for me means to 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 make the hardest choices um, when when it's not the easiest. And what I mean by that is. Um, that sounds really like stupid when I say it out loud, but like in my head, it makes a lot of sense. Um, what I mean by that is by always choosing grace or positivity or love or, um, acceptance or patience in the times when it is deeply, deeply challenging, Mm -hmm. um, and the most challenging. So, you know, it's easy to go throughout your day and to be, you know, all happy and giddy when things are all going perfectly as planned and, and going smoothly. But I think to be a survivor means to, um, keep choosing love and keep choosing grace over and over and over again, even when it's just gut-wrenchingly hard. That's so good. So Keep choosing love and yes. keep choosing grace. Yes, definitely. Man, we need to fill the world up with that, don't we? <laughs> yes, we are in desperate need. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's not, it, it is rarely easy to choose those things. So mm-hmm. I think um, the more that you choose them, that's that's what survival is, is, is choosing those things when it's challenging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that exact act is probably what moves you past the experience of... Um, just breathing and heart beating, you know, mm-hmm. like I get up in the morning. Yeah. 
it's it's those choices I think that move us to a place of being awake again yeah. in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's a sense of consciousness that yeah. we yeah. have never known. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. So, um, given that beautiful uh, opening. I want to invite you to share in as much or as little details as you're comfortable sharing about your own story of survival. Yeah. So my story of survival started when I was, oh, let's go to when I was 15. So um, I am a survivor of sexual assault. So that happened when I was 15 and when I was 21. So um, there's obviously, you know, periods of time in there um, where I I wasn't speaking about my story um, from the time that I was 15. Um, and so I didn't speak about any of that until I was about 19 years old. Hmm. And I've been a pageant girl my whole life, um, kind of semi-retired now. I, I'll probably eat my words on that eventually. but um, <laughs> We'll just but, yeah. emphasize the semi. <laughs> yeah, okay? yeah, semi-retired. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I competed within the Miss America system. So um, one of the components of competing within that organization is to have a platform or a community service project of some sort. So... Um, I'm really thankful for, you know, my, my time in that organization because it really gave me an opportunity to, um, to tell my story, you Mm -hmm. know, and to be able to finally seek help and to go to therapy and to, you know, meet with somebody to talk about it before I ended up making it my, my platform and making it my community service project. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I was 19, I, I turned it into a, a project of mine and started working with nonprofits and, uh, things like that, and was speaking on my own campus, and um, and did that for a couple of years, and then um, a couple of weeks into my senior year of college, I was sexually assaulted again. So um, that was that was a real a real turning point. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't speak about that for over a year. Um, so I, you know, went on, I competed for Miss Iowa. Let me pause that for one second. Yeah. I want to know. So yeah. you're doing this work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. Tell me how that worked for you to be, yeah. were you, did you continue doing this work while you weren't speaking about the second sexual assault? Yes. Yeah. So wow. that was, um, that was really challenging. I remember my senior year of college kind of being like looking back in hindsight, a lot of that was kind of a blur because yeah. most of it was just like waking up every day, going to class, making sure that I, you know, got to my classes. Um, I was very fortunate in the sense that the Title IX department at my school was was very, very compliant and worked with me very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was able to, you know, seek help if I needed it for certain classes and, and things like that. So that was something that I'm I'm deeply grateful for because I I recognize that not everybody has that that yeah. um, opportunity. Um, so yeah, you know, I was doing I was going to classes, I was, you know, trying to quite literally just survive my senior year of college and get my degree and then move home. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sort of my my mantra was just like, wake up, do what you need to do, even if it's bare minimum, even if it's not good, even if it's not, you know, up to your usual standards and just survive it. Mm-hmm. And then um, wake up the next day and do the, the same thing over again. So I would often wake up, go to class, go to work, and then come home and just like, you know, that was it. And mm-hmm. um, I was also very, very fortunate that I had a wonderful therapist when I was going to school in Tuscaloosa. So, um, I'm an alumni of the university of Alabama. So, um, shameless plug roll tide. Um, but, uh, (laughs) but I was very fortunate to have had one of the most brilliant, uh, social workers as, as my therapist when I was going to school there. Um, so I did 
a really intense form of therapy called EMDR therapy. I love EMDR. And oh my God, it changed my life. Like it's, I mean, it saved my life like 100%. So do you know what's amazing? So in this season I've hosted space for lots of survivors of lots of things. Mm -hmm. And, um, although I didn't plan it this way necessarily, what's emerged as one of the threads is that almost everyone would cite Mm -hmm. as part of their healing, some sort of bodily healing. Uh Right. Yeah. And there's this, trend now there's this mm-hmm. movement in psychology to move from cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. to something more somatic yeah because we totally. know that our body holds our trauma mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so emdr is yeah. this is not the first time the audience would have heard it actually because other survivors yeah. have talked about emdr yeah um but just in case i'm actually not sure in which order i'm going to publish these podcasts so for people who don't know it stands mm-hmm. for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing mm-hmm. And it is a way for, uh, it's a methodology by which we're able to sort of access the trauma that we hold in our body, and it, is, it helps our brain to reprocess it in a way um, that allows us to move through it. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's yeah. a pretty accurate yes, summary? Yes, that's a perfect description, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't mean to interrupt, but I wanted no, to yeah, drop that, yeah. because I do think that's on repeat, yeah. this thing in this series, and which how is interesting. awesome. Yeah, I love it. Everybody, yeah, talks about it. It's, yeah. Yeah, I, I recommend it to most people who come to me and who, um, you know, say that they're struggling with some kind of trauma. You know, I, I always say, first and foremost, seek help, seek a therapist, uh, yeah. a counselor of some sort, um, but perhaps seek one that, you know, that could explore the option of EMDR with you, mm-hmm. um, just because it was so, so beneficial for me. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of what my days looked like. I would just kind of, you know, I went to therapy like two or three times a week, my senior year of college. And most of that was EMDR. So I would come home from therapy and sleep for like yep. 14 hours. Yep. Like it was insane. Um, which is, you know, it sounds normal for a college student, but it's actually not. So, yeah. so yeah, I, um, that was kind of what my days looked like my senior year. And, and in the midst of that, I was preparing to compete for Miss Iowa in 2017, in June of 2017. So um, yeah, so that was kind of like wow. my mantra was just to like make it, survive, get your degree, move home, um, and then kind of forget that this all happened. So that mm. was sort of my what kept me going through my days during my senior year of college. So, mm. is there any part of you that looks back at that? Um, so you know, that sort of circles back to what we were talking about before about how there's this differentiation between the the heart beating, mm-hmm. still taking breath, mm-hmm. I'm alive, I'm surviving the yes. thing. Mm-hmm. And then that movement to being awake again. Yeah. You know? Is there is there some difficulty in the reflection that the last year of your college career was spent in a fog? Um, or is it just part of the story? You know, I think it's just part of the story. Like, I think, you know, a lot of that... I heard one time from um, one of my favorite bloggers on she's like a nutrition blogger Mm -hmm. and she once said in I think on like an Instagram post or something like that that um that there's something about pain about experiencing pain that just wakes you up Mm -hmm. and she said that and I was like oh my god that's so true because I don't know what I don't know if I would know what it feels like to be alive had I not been through that pain so so that was really valuable, I think. It, I don't think that... Um, there's no part of me that looks back and was like, oh, darn it, I spent my senior year of college like not partying and doing these... You know, I spent I spent it healing, you know? So that, for me, is is an accomplishment and an achievement. That's beautiful. So, yes. Thank you. I love that. Okay, mm-hmm. so I want to freeze on that because yeah. so often... 
And in particular, I think it's true. It might be true of this culture for both genders, but mm-hmm. I really just pay more attention to women anyway. Yeah, so totally. I know for sure it's true of women that unless we are like producing at this mm-hmm. high level of like, here's the thing I did or accomplished, mm-hmm. totally. then there is um, a sense of it not being enough. Mm-hmm. The fact that you said my job was to heal that year yeah. and that was more than enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I need the audience to hear that. Sometimes your job is just to heal and it is more than mm-hmm. enough. That's, it's funny because I say that out loud and I'm in one of those periods as well right now. So mm-hmm. I am not producing at a high rate. I'm not doing a whole, what I consider to be a whole lot. Like I'm waking up and I'm going and I'm doing my job and I'm, I'm making it through my days and I'm, you know, going to therapy and I'm writing still, but, but I'm not doing near right now what I was doing this time last year. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think it's, you know, life is such a, it's an ebb and flow. So it's like, you have to kind of, um, I think embrace the periods where it feels like all you're doing is surviving because that's setting you up for, you know, a time of huge, you know, not necessarily productivity is not the right word, but huge growth and huge, um, I think you just excel so much more after you've taken this time to heal the parts of you that need to be healed. So, um, it's all about taking that time though and, and processing that. So. Yeah. It is about that. And yeah. I think that um, nobody's going to give us permission to do that besides yeah, ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. Like it has to start there. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was, so you graduated. You yes. did it. You made yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I graduated. <laughs> Yay. I got a degree. That's awesome. What is your degree in? Uh, exercise physiology. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you came here. You're yeah. from here. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. So you came yeah. home. Yep, I moved back home. I'm from DeWitt, Iowa. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, so a DeWitt native. And I, I moved back home. And then about about a month and some change later, I competed for Miss Iowa 2017. And I was um, second runner-up that year. And um, and then about two days before Miss Iowa, before I left for Miss Iowa that year, I um, started Trauma Queens, which is my um, my nonprofit. So it's uh, it's kind of my baby. And it's sort of... Um, it's, it's my baby that I have, again, in this phase of my life, in these last six to seven months, I haven't put near as much into it as I did in the last year of my life. So, um, so yeah, that's been kind of a challenge, and I, I can touch on that and what my life has looked like in the last seven months in a little bit. But, um, but yeah, that's, you know, I started Trauma Queens, which was basically just this whole initiative to try and heal our bodies from trauma. Um, and I was planning to use, you know, my background in exercise physiology to try and give just tips and advice to, you know, particularly women, um, who were survivors of sexual violence, who needed some help in healing their body from that trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was very much doing the same. I'm still doing the same. So, uh, I think that's lifelong. So, you know, I think the healing journey is, is always, um, always lifelong, no matter what Mm -hmm. you've been through. So, so yeah, I, I created Trauma Queens and then um, continued to build on that after Miss Iowa. So yeah. so what? Um, so tell me what... So Trauma Queens is a nonprofit, mm-hmm. and I, I know you're not pouring a lot into it right now, yeah. um, but when you were, what yeah. did that look like? 
That looked a lot like I had like a whole merchandise line and I like created like hats and sweatshirts and things like that. Um, that was like a very like side part of it. Um, and all the proceeds from that went to my own nonprofit and then went to nonprofits like Rain and um, mm-hmm. uh, EROC, which is Ed Rape on Campus. Um, so that was one kind of like subdivision of my of my uh, nonprofit. But it also served as I, I have a blog that I write um semi-regularly on I don't want to say super regularly but it's just like semi-retired um, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> I use the word semi a lot for things especially right now in my life that's good um but yeah so I had this blog that kind of was attached to it and sort of just talked about my healing journey and, and what that looked like um especially you know I find most of my inspiration oddly enough on the days that are not very pretty um so it talked a lot about that you know like all of my posts were sort of directed at what life looks like as a survivor of sexual trauma um, on the days when it's really challenging. Um, Would you be willing to share so, that here? Yeah, yeah. What does that look like? Yeah, um, again, surviving. Like, that's kind of like the name of the game. Um, but I also think, you know, there's a big part of me that the last six months of my life since I competed for Miss Iowa another time, um, where not just in terms of my own healing process with with trauma but just in general most of my time has been spent like just self-care self-care self self-care surviving mm-hmm. you know surviving not thriving is kind of like my staple like statement when i'm trying to like joke about how like right. crappy things have been you know <laughs> um and like so yeah. um and when i try to like make light of like you know the total you know mess that my life was um over the summer so yeah it looks a lot like you know i people ask me too they're like do you like express emotion a lot? Like when you're dealing with that stuff, I'm like, dude, I cry all the time. Like, I'm like, I cry like almost every day, but I think it's because like, for me, that's such a healing, Mm -hmm. um, emotion. Like that's just a great way for me to heal and to feel things and then move through them. So, um, oftentimes it looks a lot like feeling emotions, feeling the things that we don't want to feel or that maybe we've avoided feeling. Um, and so therefore, your days can look very up and down and all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's been kind of what my life has been like the last like six, seven months. So yeah, it's, you know, survival is the name of the game. It mm-hmm. always is, I think, um, in some way. But, um, you know, it especially matters during the times, again, like I said, that aren't aren't pretty. Yeah. Um, Charles Bukowski once said that what matters most is how well you walk through the fire. Mm. And that's kind of one of my, like, I try to live by that quote because, you know, no one, no one cares how you respond when, when things are going swimmingly and like, you know, nobody's looking at you when things are going great. Um, but it's when people, you know, people look at you when things are going terribly, you know, people are, are always watching when things are going awful and they're looking to see how you respond And so that for me has always been a mantra just because I'm like, you know, not that I care greatly about the opinions of others and in, you know, times of trauma in my life, but, but I just want to be that example for myself. I want to be able to look back and say, oh, that time was really, really hard, but Mm -hmm. I handled it with as much grace and grit as I could muster at the time. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my, my mantra always. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you pull from that on the days that are, well, mm-hmm. all of them. Yeah, yeah. But really on the days that are 
and are not so pretty. Yeah, definitely. Grace and grit. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's so good. Two adjectives. <laughs> yeah. I think they coexist. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Grace and grit definitely Absolutely. belong together. Mm-hmm. So you keep referencing um, this six to seven month time period. Mm-hmm. Bring it. Whatever that is. <laughs> Okay. Can I swear on your podcast? Or Please okay, swear. Okay, I'll awesome. be really sad if you okay, don't. Okay, yeah. awesome. Because yeah. I have like the mouth of a sailor and like Same. most people are like, you're a pageant girl. And I'm like, yeah, it's because I've kept this bottled up in me for yeah. 12 years. Like I've been a pageant girl for 12 years. No, let, um, it, no, let it out. The last <laughs> right. interview, I think I said fuck 27 oh, times. fabulous. Yeah, no, okay, so great. it's going to be We're going to get along. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in, uh, let's see. January, this time last year, I was actually crowned um, Miss Muscatine. So I um, was crowned Miss Muscatine early part of January and spent, um, I after I was second runner up to Miss Iowa in 2017, summer of 2017, I made it my mission. Um, it's been my lifelong goal, basically, to become Miss Iowa. That's mm-hmm. sort of like, that's just been the goal since I was little. Um, and so I made the decision over the summer when I had just got gotten done competing and creating trauma queens and everything that, um, that I was going to literally pour myself into preparing for Miss Iowa. Um, and that I was going to do basically everything in my power to, to promote trauma queens as much as I could, to grow it as much as I could, to help as many people as possible, to really make a voice for myself across the state even before Miss Iowa came mm-hmm. around. So then come that January, I compete for Miss Muscatine. I win. I, um, you know, I secure my spot to compete for Miss Iowa in June of 2018. Um, and so I did. So I spent, you know, most of my, the last year of my life, um, you know, really developing my platform and, and working towards becoming Miss Iowa. Um, what I, kind of, tell people what that what kind of commitment yeah, is that? Yeah. What, what does that require of you? Oh my God. It's, I mean, it's daily. It's every day. It's, um, you know, it's waking up for me. It was waking up and every day thinking to myself, what can I do today? That's going to make me the best Miss Iowa that, that I can be. Mm-hmm. Um, or what am I going to do today? That's going to make me the best person that I, you know, the most prepared for this job. Mm-hmm. Um, and some days that looked, you know, more often than not, that looked a lot like, um, like going to going to yoga and then going to a workout class and then teaching a few workout classes um, because I was a personal trainer at that point. And, um, and then, you know, doing stuff for my platform, writing a blog post, doing all of these things, you know, mm-hmm. um, my days were consumed. I mean, I mean, consumed with this idea of becoming Miss Iowa. That was like all I thought about for months on end. Um, and it was all I talked about for months on it. Like, I kind of feel terrible for anybody who like interacted <laughs> with me for, from like January of 2018 to like July of 2018. I'm like, I feel really terrible that I talked about that so much, but, um, but it was so deeply important to me. It was, it was important because I wanted to be Miss Iowa for the sole purpose of being able to take my platform and bring it to the state, you know, and, and take it to the state level. And I, and I truly thought that, um, had I won Miss Iowa, I thought I truly had a good chance of becoming Miss America. Mm-hmm. Um, and then taking my platform to a National, nationwide yeah. level, you know, and, and I felt it was something that it was an important platform. So, well, it was um, deeply connected yeah, to your personal experience. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so well, I think when you pour that much of yourself into, into something like that, that is so deeply connected to yourself. Um, your, 
it's you you walk a tightrope because if it doesn't work out then it's like your whole identity is just like attached to it and gone crumbles. what are you yeah, yeah. so so come Miss Iowa I um I was first runner up to Miss Iowa so oh. yeah so pretty close but um I that's why I say that nobody's watching when you're when you succeed you know nobody's watching when you win the title or do whatever people are always watching to see you know, how you're going to react when you come that close. And when you're on a, a very public stage, you know, like holding hands with somebody, like, you know, waiting for your names to be announced and then you're not announced. Um, people are always watching and they're always curious to see how you're going to react. So, um, so that's why I say like, you know, I try to just handle things with as much grace as possible. Um, because I know that, you know, I would be upset and I would be disappointed in myself if I didn't. So, um, so yeah, the months after Miss Iowa were, um, <laughs> I mean, kind of a clusterfuck. Like they were just sort of like <laughs> everything sort of just went apeshit after that. Like I, I broke up with my boyfriend of five years. I, um, I like got and quit several jobs like that. I, like I was so <laughs> random. Like I would like apply for these jobs and be like, yeah, this seems like a good fit. Um, I really want to do this. This will like take me to this place. And then I would get into it and like hate it and quit it like two weeks later, which is super unlike me. So, um, so yeah, it was like my whole identity. Um, the last like six to seven months has just been kind of like, who am I like, and what am I supposed to be doing? And, and all of that. Well, you said this was a childhood dream. Yeah. So not just six to seven months. Yeah. This was like a, this was like over 12 years of, of me, um, planning and preparing and, and doing everything I could to like make myself the most prepared. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of like just a huge a significant um, crisis of identity. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I would say, I, I would go as far to say as it's still occurring, like this, this whole like identity crisis is still kind of happening. And I think, I think it's important to share that because I don't, there is no, there is no merit in, in telling people, oh my God, yeah, I'm great. Like I'm doing fine. You know, there's no, there's absolutely nothing that anybody else will gain from that, um, from me pretending. So, so yeah, this identity crisis is very much like still here and kind of like, I'm still trying to move through it and figure out who and what I am. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that's equally as exciting as it is terrifying because it's like, I'm sort of like, well, this is cool. I get to like reinvent myself. And I'm like, oh shit, I have to reinvent myself. <laughs> like, so there's so many parts of me that are like conflicted in that regard. But, um, but yeah, so that kind of sent things into like a very, very, um, big spiral. And then, you know, if you look at, um, what 2018 was in terms of like, you know, survivors of sexual assault speaking out on things, it was a very triggering year for everybody. So it was kind of like, you had the whole Time's Up movement, but then you had, you know, um, Brett Kavanaugh being elected and like all of these things. Like I remember that week of the, um, Brett Here's, Kavanaugh hearings. Oh my, oh my God. It was miserable. Like Ugh. I went in, um, I remember I went to a concert that Thursday night after the, um, after the hearings and I, um, it was my favorite band I was going to see. And I like sobbed uncontrollably the entire concert. Cause I was just like, this is beautiful, but like this week has been exhausting, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and so like, I think in, in general as a whole, 2018 was the, the hardest, most 
tiring year of my 23 year existence on this planet. Like it was, you know, and I've had some pretty tiring years like before. So, you know, so 2018 was definitely that year. Yeah. Yeah. So. So you were happy to see the clock strike midnight. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what do you anticipate for this next year? Is this, is, is it more of the same, which I think is a really great thing Mm -hmm. because we already talked about the beauty of taking time to heal. Mm -hmm. Is that really where you're still sitting? Yeah. You know, I was, I was in such a place for the last, like from January of last year to, you know, over the summer, I was so rigid in like everything I was doing. And so, um, just so regimented, like, you know, like I said, I was doing everything I could possibly do to become Miss Iowa. So I was, you know, that meant a lot of days, um, working out a ton that meant like, Mm -hmm. You know, my diet was, like, really? on point. Yeah. Like, it was, like, I was, like, paleo to death. Like, I was, like, you know, and, like, which is great. Like, that's fine. But um, but I was also a health coach at the time, so it was sort of, like, it all became too much, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so people ask me a lot these days, like, what are you doing in terms of, like, health coaching? And, and do you, you know do you still work out and things like that? And I'm like, well, yes, I still work out. Like, you know, I'm like, I have to move my body in some way because that is part of my, that's part of my healing, you know? Um, but I'm trying to be really kind to myself these days Mm. and, um, and trying to take time away from the things that didn't, that made me feel good, but that were so regimented and so rigid that they, in hindsight, um, or crazy, you know, like absolutely yes. nuts. Yes. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm focusing on. Cause you know, like I said, life is like ebb and flow. So it's mm-hmm. like, I have to rest now. Like this is my rest period. Um, which feels very weird. Cause I don't like rest, rest. at all. Yeah. So <laughs> I just yeah. recently had, um, I, I just had surgery about a month ago. I had um, a, an emergency gallbladder and appendectomy. Oh Not, gosh. I mean, I'm fine, yeah. but it's like, a big it's, deal. it's like a so, thing. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Uh, but I, um, as a result, I couldn't move and be into yeah. the way that mm-hmm. I am yeah. accustomed to. Totally. And, um, the reflection, I saw it as an invitation to mm-hmm. slow the fuck down. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. Um, and what that showed me about, um, the, the things that I would have told you before made me feel good, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. Uh, I think they were somebody else's version of good, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it really was about meeting an expectation yeah. external Absolutely. to me. Uh-huh. And it didn't have a damn thing to do with an internal cue. Yep. Uh, and I'm, I'm too, I'm in this season of what, is, what am I telling myself? Yeah. What do mm-hmm. I need? Mm-hmm. And I think it's very easy. I think women in general, I think mm-hmm. we get divorced from that. Yeah. And we're constantly seeking an external set of cues and validation and expectation to mm-hmm. meet Mm-hmm. And it's terrifying when you look the other direction, yeah, because you're not sure what you're gonna find, yeah. But it's exhilarating too, mm-hmm. because we actually have all of the wisdom we need intrinsic. Yeah. In, it's oh, in yeah. us. Yeah. It is absolutely in us. Mm-hmm. But we can't get there. Um, and I too have gone through periods of like obsessive exercise yeah. and obsession about what I was eating, totally. all those things. Yeah. Those were fine, but really a distraction f- yeah. from a sense of being embodied. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's impossible to heal without being embodied. I don't yeah. think we can heal outside of us. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful that this yeah. is your season to rest. Yeah. Yeah, it's um yeah, it certainly feels foreign. I mean, like that's you know, this time last year I was um 
well, probably 10 pounds lighter. And like, you know, yeah. it was like working out like crazy. And, and also, yeah, coaching people like on their health and, and things like that. But, um, you know, I look all the way back through my life and I'm like, where did this like fascination with like, quote, health come from? Um, it's a really great and question. And I look back and I'm like, this is crazy because I actually took it from, um, there were a few girls that like I really looked up to who were in pageants when I was younger, who were all doing like exercise physiology, exercise science uh, when they were in college. And I remember thinking to myself when I was like 13, like I'm going to be an exercise oh. science major. And it ended up not really like, you know, it wasn't really my passion in college. Like my passion was political science and film. And, um, and oh. I did that for two years and then switched to ex-phys and, um, during another time in my life where it kind of like exploded. Um, so I think we make decisions like, I think sometimes we make really poor decisions in times of desperate crisis. Um, and, and all you can do is look back and just kind of think, well, that was a great learning experience. And that was something that, that I, I took from and I, I can learn from that, um, and that, you know, I, I automatically thought, well, I have this bachelor's degree in exercise physiology, so therefore I'm going to own my own business and become a health coach. Um, and so I did that for like a year and I hated it. Mm. It was miserable, like miserable. Like it was, it was absolutely awful. Um, and it wasn't that I didn't enjoy like helping people and things like that, but it was just like, that wasn't me, you know, that wasn't my passion. It wasn't what drove me every day. Um, so yeah, it's like, there's definitely moments where, you know, these periods of, of identity crisis provide us with, I think, a really beautiful learning experience and, and give us um, a lot of information. You know, pain is definitely information. So you are extremely wise for a 23 year old. (laughs) Thank you. I wasn't, I think I was probably late thirties before I was able to say the, the same thing you just said. Like you've got me beat by two decades. I cannot wait to see what you become with all of that in you because that is like, um, yes, Mm -hmm. just in a resounding. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's just so, so much wisdom in that. And I think we're, we're constantly evolving into different Mm -hmm. versions Mm -hmm. of our, I talk a lot about taking off layers, losing layers. This is one of the things Mm -hmm. I say, and it's not, um, and all of the ways that I think we put layers on um, to become palatable in some way, yeah. shape, or form. And this process of pain often loosens layers on us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And they and it does sort of, it's kind of like a wound. It sloughs off new, tender skin mm-hmm. that eventually toughens and becomes the next mm-hmm. layer of you, yeah. you know? And I think there's just a lot of wisdom in letting that process yeah. be. Uh, and it sounds like that's what you're doing. Yeah. That's... That's the phase right now, I think. So what do you think you want from Trauma Queens? What do you think? What do you think? What, what'll happen yeah, there? Do you yeah. have any idea or just kind of hanging and waiting? And Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately because, you know, I, I, I so heavily connected Trauma Queens with my mm-hmm. experience in pageantry, um, hence the name, you know, Trauma Queens. Queens yeah. um, so I, now that I'm, you know, again, semi-retired from pageants, I, I keep thinking to myself, well, where is this going to go? You know, a lot of my identity is wrapped up in or was wrapped up in pageantry you know like most people knew me as as like quote the pageant girl um that included you know everybody in my hometown everybody from high school and college and you know they all just knew me as that so 
when thinking about where trauma queens is going to go now that I'm not that, mm-hmm. um, is very interesting. And now that I'm not a health coach, you know, like this whole trauma queens was built around, um, the concepts of movement and mindfulness, um, in healing your body from trauma. So now that I'm not those things, it's kind of like, that's a very, I think, daunting, um, question because, or, you know, question that I've been asking myself a lot is, is what do I want this to be? Um, initially trauma Queens, when I first had a very big goal in mind, trauma Queens was designed to eventually be centers across the state of Iowa that would, um, be free and accessible to any woman or any person who identified as a woman. And, and they would have all of the resources that, that they would need, you know, from, from counseling services to yoga classes, to massage therapy, to, you know, any of those things, um, you know, similar, much, very similar to if you're from the Quad City area, um, our gross house. Um, yeah. And I, um, Dr. Kit Ford is like one of my favorite people. She was my, I like am obsessed with her. She was my first interview for this series. Really? Oh my God. She's like, yeah, she's one of my favorite people. Um, me too. And she's so inspiring. I think she's just wonderful. So, um, yeah. So, you know, initially that was kind of the, the idea. Um, and now that I think about it more, I think, um, I think eventually, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about starting my own podcast and, and that's something that I think, um, trauma Queens could, could definitely, mm-hmm. um, kind of take, take that route. Um, definitely keeping up with my blog and, and writing is something that, um, that I want to be still linked to trauma Queens in some way. Um, and then, you know, partnering with different organizations. That's something that I'm really passionate about. There's a lot of really good nonprofits out there that are doing incredible work. And I've been fortunate enough to work with some of them. So, uh, yeah, partnering with different nonprofits and kind of seeing what, what events can we do? What, you know, campaigns can we launch to, um, not only further the movement of like, yes, let's heal our bodies from, from sexual trauma, but also, um, let's prevent this from happening in the first place. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of where I, you know, where my brain's at right now. So there's a lot of, a lot of things that I'm trying to kind of explore, but, but, you know, for, for the time being, um, sharing this season of rest with people is something that, Mm -hmm. uh, trauma queens has never seen before. That's, you know, it's always been go, go, go and go to yoga class and do, you know, do the things and, um, which is not inherently bad, but it's, um, again, there's, you know, to heal your body, you also have to listen to your body. And so um, that requires resting. So, yeah. Um, do you find it as beautifully synchronous as I do that, Trauma Queens, the thing that came from you, mm-hmm. is going through a similar process of becoming yeah. that you're that you are. Yeah, I um, yeah. There's definitely a lot of synchronicities in my life these days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, it's it's um, you know when the creator of something is is experiencing a loss in identity or kind of like a confusion in who they are. I think that everything that they've created probably is too. So. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, it's no mistake that Trauma Queens is also kind of trying to, um, figure out its way and figure out where it's going Mm -hmm. from here. Um, now that there isn't pageantry attached to it, um, which, you know, pageantry is great and there's a, I, you know, I, I am who I am because of it largely. Um, 
but there's also a lot of downsides to it. And, and I, and I've rarely talked about the downsides because I've always been so invested in it to the point where, um, I kind of failed to, um, acknowledge the, the shortcomings. Yeah. So, um, and one of the downfalls of pageantry is that is, you know, people who are involved, whether they want to admit it or not, the contestants themselves, um, place a lot of, of weight in the way that they come off um, online, in person, um, you know, with their appearance, with their body, with, you know, everything. It's heavily um, curated. Image. Image. Is, image. Image. image is yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. And it, which is fucking insanity because it's like, how can you possibly keep up with all of those different areas? You know, like no normal person does those things. Um, and that's God, it's why so good I, to hear you say that. Oh my God. It, it's, I mean, it's insane. Like, it's insane to think that somebody can like have the perfect body, have this beautiful platform they devote all their time to, um, help all these other people, um, you know, keep a relationship intact. Oh my God, that was so challenging. You know, um, keep a job, do, you know, do all of the things, stay in school, pay off your student loans, like, you know, practice your talent. It's, I mean, it's insane. It's just insane. Like looking back on it, I'm like, God, that, you know, that is so much effort. It's so much time and effort. Um, and so I think that, you know, because we place so much weight into our image, into who we look like on Instagram and who we look like on Facebook or whatever, um, therefore a lot of our projects get that same Mm. image. Mm -hmm. And, um, and now I'm trying to change that image because Mm -hmm. I don't want to be, um, the person who places all of her worth in, in, an online presence or, you know, something like that. So, so that's kind of where I'm at is, is figuring out how can I still have this beautiful project and platform and, and nonprofit, um, without all of the pressure of feeling like a judge is going to look at my Instagram feed of trauma Queens and, and, you know, and like, what are they going to ask me in my interview about it, you know, or something like that. So I think that's, that's the biggest step for me right now. Yes, and what a beautiful gift that's going to be for both mm-hmm. you and Trauma Queens. Yeah. To let it become whatever it's going to become without being observed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Like, let it just be mm-hmm. real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, the synch- like the connection, yeah. the parallel between yeah. that and you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it sounds to me like what you're sharing is that this is a season of rest for you and also just sort of a deep sense of um, allowing yourself to be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's really refreshing to hear you say that because you don't hear. You're right. It, people who are in the pageant world. Oh yeah, will not say that. It's, they, it's probably like a no no well, thing. Yeah, yeah, it totally is. And I, <laughs> yeah. you know, and anybody who listens to this who is you know involved pageant, in the pageant yeah. world, you know, they may think, oh, God, well, who the hell are we listening to right now? You know, but these are the things that I've wanted to say for a long time that I never felt like I could because, um, you know, well, God forbid I say fuck on a podcast, you know, like, oh my God, you know, like that would be such a big deal if I were still, um, competing in Miss Iowa. Um, and not because it would be a big deal to me, like I could care less, you know, but it, because people would perceive that as, oh, well she swears. So therefore she is X way or like, you know, whatever. And that's the biggest, um, problem with anything like, you know, pageantry or Mm -hmm. social media or modeling or, you know, anything like that, um, is that, you know, when we aren't our true, raw, authentic selves all the time, um, 
we miss out on a lot of things and we we convey an image that ends up not being us even if we are honest even if we are yep. um, you know trying to share our stories unless it's there 100% all the time unless you're you know real and raw about it and you you know don't give a shit what anyone else thinks completely and wholly and you're you know completely detached from other people's opinions unless you're there then you're still probably in some way holding something back of the true you that yep. you know that you are um, from the world, and that is a huge, huge disgrace. I think one of the lines that I say often in this work is, uh, "The world needs more of you, never mm-hmm. less." Yes, yes. So take up space. Absolutely. I say mm-hmm. it all the time. Yeah. Uh, probably annoying to the people who are around me, but um, I watch the ways that women. We don't, um, the way that we shrink ourselves, it's most obvious is with our obsession with diet and oh yeah, and absolutely exercise. Mm-hmm. So that's the, op- that's like the low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Duh. I mean, I, I don't know mm-hmm. anybody who's not trying to shrink themselves yep. actually, except I really am not mm-hmm. <laughs> for the first time in my whole entire yeah. life. I'm not right. So it took again four decades, but I did get there. <laughs> um, but it isn't exclusive to that. Mm-hmm. I think I just recently wrote a post about, um, about the number of women in a day who apologize to me for being too emotional or too mm-hmm. enthusiastic or too, yeah. too, too. Yeah. The world needs more of you. Yeah. Literally never. It doesn't need, it doesn't need you to shrink your mm-hmm. opinion or your voice or the fact that you swear. Yeah. Um, the, this impossible standard of perfection. Yes. That, that I think is really amplified in pageantry. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> It's it, but I think part of the reason that we all watch it though is because we we are all on many stages mm-hmm. all the time yeah. with that a similar expectation. Yep. Pageantry just amplifies the thing mm-hmm. that we already know. Yeah, and it's that we are always being observed and mm-hmm. always being critiqued mm-hmm. and always being judged, mm-hmm. and that in the um, in that kind of a spotlight, mm-hmm. who are we? We yeah. feel like we have to shrink. Yeah, and I'm trying to create a space for women mm-hmm. um, where that's not true. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. I think we need more space like that yeah, where, you know, for women. Um, that's, yeah, you know, I look back at this time last year and, and there's a lot of me that thinks, oh, well, I'm not doing this anymore and I'm not doing this anymore. And again, that comes with, you know, this is a phase of rest. I was, I was going to like, like I said, like two workout classes a day for like, you know, over six months. Um, at this point last year and it's like no sane normal person does that so you know I think back to this time last year and I think yeah there are parts of me that I that I wish were still around you know like there's um, I had a really deep love for like orange theory classes you Mm -hmm. know which I don't care to go to anymore Um, and so you know little things like that but I think back and I'm like gosh, you know, at that point I even thought you're being so authentic and you're being so, you're sharing so much of your story and all these things. And of course, you know, I, I'm not saying that the entire world of social media needs to know your entire life. Mm -hmm. I don't think that, um, I probably share too much of my life on social media, but, um, but I always, I always try to like, you know, have a purpose behind it. It's not that I'm ever trying to like, out anybody or you know anything like that but um I think back and I'm like gosh you know 
you thought you were being authentic then, you know, just wait until somebody hears you on a podcast telling people how you're having a total identity crisis when everybody thinks you're fine, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's what we need more of is more of people sharing like the not so hot parts of their lives. Um, which, you know, I've tried to do over the last six or seven months, but I kind of made a vow to myself in 2019. That was sort of my like, you know, I don't really like resolutions, but like, you know, yeah, intention. intention. Let's go with that. Yeah, yeah. I like that word. Um, my intention for the year was to just be as much of myself as I could because when we're detached to from the outcome, um, that's often when we get the best outcome possible, you know, um, which I think is true in, in any field of life, you know, whether you're thinking relationships or money or jobs or, you know, whatever. Um, the more detached you are and the more just authentic you are in your true self, then I think, you know, you're always set up for success in that way. So, mm. but I didn't know that then, you know, you so it's like knowing now what I, you know, knowing, uh, then what I know now, you know, I probably would have gone about things a lot differently. So good news. Yeah. You're, you have it, um, actually way ahead of the game yeah. of lots of people. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Thank most you. of the people in my audience are like, Jesus Christ, I don't even know that. And I'm, I, I, you're going to be fine. Thank you. You are going to be fine. Um, so speaking of you're going to be fine, I want to um, give us a chance here to wrap up yes. with the question that I like to leave everyone with. Yes. Um, there are people in our audience who are surviving something. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not look exactly like your story, but yeah. it doesn't need to. I want to give you a chance to share whatever it is that you want to share with them Mm -hmm. about about survival, about Mm -hmm. who they are, about um, how to get up in the morning, whatever it is that's kind of on you that you want to tell them. Um, Yeah, you know, a a year ago I would have told you, you know, wake up in the morning and um, say your affirmations in the mirror and be sure that you tell the universe that you're thankful to be alive and, like, make a gratitude list and all of these things. Um, I'm not going to tell you any of that anymore though, because I think that's all bullshit. Um, and I think it's bullshit because I started reading this, this book by, um, Augustine Burroughs. Are you familiar? I love Augustine Burroughs. Oh my God. Okay. Have you read, is it, this is how or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, I think I'm like 15 pages in and it's like the best self-help book I've yeah. ever read in my life. And it's, um, and I've read them all literally. So, yeah. um, and he says in this book, you know, there is no there is no merit in looking yourself in the mirror every day, every day. And, you know, saying these affirmations and saying, I am happy and I am all of these things when you're not. So I would say, um, in terms of survival, I think the most important thing that you can do is to let yourself feel whatever it is you're actually feeling. Um, again, going back to like authenticity, like what are you actually feeling? Um, he says at the end of this chapter, he says like, um, now go look at yourself in the mirror and wipe that fucking smile off your face. And I'm like, I love that because so much of me, like this time last year was like, I am strong and I am beautiful and I am powerful and blah, blah, blah. And yes, those things are true, but like, those are merely cover-ups for, um, the emotional, I guess, um, you know, upkeep that you have to do in order to survive something. Um, there's a lot of emotional upkeep. So part of that is feeling what you're feeling and not beating yourself up for it. Um, feelings are actually a great catalyst for a lot of things, you know, like feeling sad is actually for me a great catalyst to 
um, to cry and to move through that sadness and then to write. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of where I end up finding my best ideas. Um, and then, you know, anger is also a great catalyst. Um, you know, anger is a good catalyst for a great workout like that, you know, things like that. So I would say that would be like my first and foremost, um, you know, number one piece of, of knowledge that I have now, um, that I didn't know a year ago and that I wish I would have, because that would have, I think, changed my mind in terms of the way that I survived things then. So, um, that's definitely number one. Um, and you know, I think number two, you know, in terms of like just getting out of bed in the morning, um, I started asking myself, a very dear friend of mine told me, I think back in like October, um, I was going through a a breakup at the time and she told me, um, start asking yourself the question, what was your win for the day? And so when I get out of bed every morning, um, I no longer go through the same very rigid morning routine I had a year ago. I, I don't, um, I don't typically sit and meditate for 20 minutes. It's more like five. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't usually set set aside time to read. I'll do that at night if I have time. Um, you know, my gratitude list, like, sure. If you want to say a few things you're thankful for, awesome. Um, I think removing that rigid part of my life has helped a lot. Um, but asking myself, like, what was the win for the for the day? And it can be anything. Like, it can be... I got literally out of bed today. Um, or I, you know, I smiled for 30 minutes out of the day today. Like that's huge. You know, that's when you're going through a really hard period, um, not thinking about like the overwhelming sadness or fear or grief or anger or anxiety that you have for like 15 minutes is like mind blowing. Like that's like huge, you know, that's, that's a big deal. So I think being able to acknowledge those really small wins is is deeply important. Um, and then I think like watching stand up as much as possible is another thing. <laughs> like in a lot of ways, I think comedians have saved my life like numerous times. Yeah. So um, my current favorite is Tom Segura's uh, Disgraceful um, Netflix special. So it's a really good one. Um, he's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think like laugh, is laugh, your point. literally laugh. laugh, do anything that makes you laugh. Um, that, cause that's so important. Yeah. That's so good. Those are, those are kind of my, those are your top three, my top three tips. Cause I do them too. So all the time. So, so yeah, those are kind of my, that my is things. awesome. So you are a fucking stunning human oh, being. So thank, thank you, you for that. Back at you. Thank you so much. Like for all the way me. through. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. Me too. This has been wonderful. Good. Thanks. All right, friends, that's it for our time with Maggie. You know, I'm going to name this interview Grace and Grit. And uh, those two words are absolutely perfectly descriptive of the presence that this woman carries with her. It's always so tragic to me that you all can't actually sit in the room with me because no matter how great an interview I pull off, there's something about being able to watch a person tell their story, the way that when you just ask them and they open up uh, and ease into the experience, and then they show you who they are. And this woman, she is grace and grit. I loved what she shared about how to survive, particularly about the fact that she said, laugh as much as possible. 
feel like we don't do a lot of that anymore, and when we do, we feel like there isn't necessarily a point to our laughter, but there doesn't have to be. I think it heals, just all on its own. You know, I don't know about you, but I really like the raw version of Maggie. I suppose I didn't know the other version, the one with the really tight, rigid schedule and goals, and not that there's anything wrong with tight and rigid schedules and goals. But it is another thing to watch a person come home to themselves. And I know that Maggie doesn't think she's there yet, and maybe she's not, but man, I can see it coming. And what a privilege that was for me. I hope you were able to catch a little glimpse of that for yourself. If you want to follow along and see what happens next from Maggie, I'll make sure that I link to her social accounts in the show notes. I'll also include some information there about Trauma Queens, the nonprofit that she founded. And speaking of show notes, I will make sure that I also link to resources for survivors of sexual assault and to further information about the beautiful project. You can always follow along with us on Facebook or on Instagram. We'd also love it if you would subscribe to the podcast today, either on Podbean or at iTunes Podcasts. And while you're there, leave us a review so that other people can find us. Thank you so much for staying with us today and for lending your voice to this chorus of courage, where we create a world where women belong with substance and with strength. I'll see you all soon.